The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Friday, everyone. You've made it to the end of another week. They said it couldn't be done, and yet, here you are. It's Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Vespris, and I am joined by, wait, what's that? Is that his entry music? This is where, by the way, I was going to, uh, and I, I don't know if I'm actually going to put it in or not. We'll find out later, because the, in, the actual show intro is probably still fading out, but is that, I, I want to do this like, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I know that they play the music in the middle of a match and then someone else comes charging in through the ropes. Wah. Yeah, <laughs> that's Aaron Brewski. What's up, man? Are you playing my music? I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go find it. I'll put it in. Well, well, hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you want I'm me to, alive. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, you know what I'm playing, right? Do you want to try to guess since you can't hear I, it live? I, you said it was going to be Baby Shark. <laughs> no, it's the uh, Mickey's oh, Clubhouse. Oh, it's the hot dog? Yeah. <laughs> hot dog. Hot dog, hot dog. I want, I want that to be what everyone is thinking <laughs> as they find out that brew is on the pod. And this is, by the way, I'm sure everybody, I've had many people say, why the hell don't you and brew do Friday shows anymore? And it is like 98% on me. My schedule is such an in, insane, chaotic cluster mess, but we pieced it together. Your child is napping right now. My child is with a babysitter for a couple hours in the middle of the day, and so we get to talk, and I get to hit record while we're doing it. So uh, I don't want to get too deep sidetracked into Bill and, Bill and Ted, because that happens to us like more times really than I've... don't get to talk enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we've had Bill and Ted chats on podcasts like more times than I have fingers. Uh, so what I want to do, because I do want to catch up at some point in this podcast, but I know that there's a, a fan base out there that's like, Brew, I have a million questions for you, and I'm going to try to do my best to put a few of those into little packets, little question quanta or whatever you want to call it. And what week could be better? It's free agency week. Uh, you had a uh, cash to value free agent rankings, which is a reality analysis of the best values on the free agent marketplace that folks can check out. That's at hoop-ball.com at hoopballfantasy. If you want to follow that on Twitter, he is of course at Aaron Bruski. I am at Dan Bespris. Please do follow all of those aforementioned. Um, but how did that turn out for you? Did, did the value guys end up on the teams you expected them to? You know, it was, I thought, by and large, the NBA did better this year than maybe uh, as, as well as I've seen in like the last five to ten years. There's been a couple of years where um, I don't know, like the Mozgov year comes to mind, where um, you know <laughs> Ryan Anderson got like 80 mil or whatever. Like you're just looking at these deals and you're like, what are you guys watching? You know, like how could you possibly? That didn't happen this year. That was crazy, um, by the way. And you you set something off in my brain when you mentioned the Mozgov year. Isn't it isn't it weird? how often we are all looking at NBA teams and thinking, well, I'm like me. I know for me, I look at, I'm like, well, I'm kind of an idiot and I knew better than that. How could all of you not know better than that? Doesn't it feel calming for you, Brew, to see NBA teams making wise decisions? Shouldn't that just be normal? I think that something about the bottom rungs of talent at the NBA level that, you know, the, the, the Eric Spolsters of the front office world that get 
up into the top of the ranks eventually, and they're actually good at what they do. Um, you know, that might have a little bit to do with it. You've seen a lot of young general managers out there like Monty McNair in Sacramento. You know, he, he's definitely somebody that when you watch him speak, you can tell he's he's definitely younger, but he's got just a lot of acumen and he's just sharp. And right, right off the bat, he stopped making stupid Kings moves, you know. <laughs> and so, I mean, these guys are getting more jobs is the point I'm trying to make there. Um, we, we joke about it. Some of my front office contacts around the league that, that there are like 15 teams that are just dumb, like just flat out dumb. And, um, a lot of that's nepotism, um, or not nepotism, but, uh, what's the other word for just given cronyism. Ah, yeah, that, yeah, that's, there's some nepotism with the, uh, the Colangelos, you know, of the world, but, I digress. Um, <laughs> well, you were on one hour of sleep, so we'll forgive you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Colangelos, I'm pretty sure they're planning the Olympics and the NBC um, programming lineup, and that's why we can't find any games. But again, I digress. I just think that oh, um, I'm so mad. There's about a lot that. of business that goes on in the NBA. So you have agents that basically say, if you don't take this guy, I'm not going to give you this other guy for your other team. You know, like in the world of, you know, negotiations. So like. That happens. Um, you have kind of guys that want to play with their buddies. So sometimes that stuff happens. And you only have 30 teams and say five, six, seven slots on a roster that are, you know, coveted. And so when one thing goes wrong, and keep in mind also that a lot of guys, you know, whatever percentage are already under contract. So you got this like sliver of available free agents. And it's like musical chairs, and eventually Dennis Schroeder has nowhere to go. Um, <laughs> I, was wondering, I was wondering what the punchline of that was going to be. That's good. That was good. Well played. I, I, was, I was caught unawares. Uh, sounds like maybe the Celtics? I think so. I was thinking that right. And you know, he, I think he's so um, beat up right now in terms of value that like now he's undervalued. Yeah, he is, he is better than what folks saw at the end of the year, at the very least. Um, so who had... This is such a, this is such a talking head kind of question, but it's still the NBA offseason. So what I'm going to do here, Brew, for you is I'm going to try to, uh, again, separate our discussion today from the reality and the fantasy side of things, because there are kind of two different beasts at play here. Fantasy stuff t- oftentimes runs almost in direct contrast with reality stuff, and I'll I'll point you directly at the Chicago Bulls. Who did you feel like they had a good? free agent week so far, getting Lonzo Ball, getting DeMar DeRozan, even though I think we can safely say that's terrible for everybody's fantasy value. Does that make them better? And how does that, you don't need to just talk about Chicago. Who are some of the winners from a reality standpoint? Who are some of the losers from a reality standpoint? And then we'll segue that into fantasy as we move along. Yeah, no, uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of what Chicago did because the guard depth in the the free agency market was just ridiculous i want to say it was like 20 guards deep that you know you could make a legitimate case that this was somebody you should either go after or maybe they were really really good and probably going to be overpaid um and maybe not even really good they were just sort of good but you know they've got name value and they're going to get overpaid but they're still players right so you have 20 some odd players and they're going to go pay alex caruso you know i think it was what four for 38 like that's you could have gotten you know, Raul Neto for nothing, you know? And and to me, I don't see that much of a fall off. So this is where the fantasy aspect 
really, I think, you know, we do joke with the same front office people as a lot of them play fantasy as well. It's like you put fantasy guys in charge of teams and they'll probably start doing better, you know, because you understand things like the diminishing, you know, return on, you know, how much better is Alex Caruso than Howell Neto? Yeah, it kind of depends I mean, on what you want to do with them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I don't have an answer for that. Like, if you told me that Neto was better than Caruso, I would say, oh, maybe, you know, and vice versa. So I don't like that payment. Um, the DeRozan thing, it's really going to be tough because if you don't shoot in this league and you rely on athleticism, things can get like Russell Westbrooky really quick. Um, he's a different player, obviously. He does have talent. He's really good inside the three-point line. But when's that going to run out? You know, when's he going to become just an average NBA ball player at that price? Um, but then together, you know, Lonzo, I, I like Lonzo. I like paying Lonzo. I could see, you know, why some people might not want to pay Lonzo. They might think his on-ball defense is overrated. They might think that, you know, he's not a total offensive playmaker. And so, you know, you're paying this pristine or this high end price to, to get him on the team. But I, I do like the combination of these players together. So while they overpaid for two guys um, and it doesn't seem like they're in the Lori marketing business. So I kind of think that's all right too. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of their off season, um, but they're in an interesting destination. Um, my top team. Yeah. Who's your I winner? I think is the heat. Really? It's almost the it's the Lakers or the Heat. And wow, the, the, wait a minute, hold on. This is blowing my mind. The Lakers made your list. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, here's why because like when you have LeBron and AD, right? So you're just looking for warm bodies that that are <laughs> that are good, you know? Yeah. And so you don't trot out West Matthews, you know, or Yeah, not that who, warm. Who, who 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 sticks in your craw for for the last year's Lakers team? Who did you hate to watch play other than Jared Dudley? <laughs> I actually loved watching Jared Dudley play because he come out there. It gives you hope, right? Yeah, that, that and he one, one of us could make the NBA. He'd walk into a three pointer and he bang his head or his hand against the side of his head with the three fingers up towards the sky. That's like my man, Jared Dudley, fifty five years and and still trucking. But like, who's stuck in your craw? I don't who's know. The Laker you hated. You know what's weird is fantasy and working as a fantasy analyst has sort of obliterated my regular season Lakers fandom almost completely because for years. They haven't had good fantasy players uh, to to have on my team. Like I, I, I thought about it. Well, I guess I could take this guy, but I'm like, no, that's a that's an idiotic draft pick. I can't do that. My the the smart part of my the smart part of my brains was telling me I shouldn't go that direction. Um, guy that I couldn't stand watching on the, the Lakers. KCP. I saw a lot of KCP hate out there. Yeah, that's that was unfounded. He was actually pretty good. Last he was pretty couple, good. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was especially during the title year in the. Bubble. I was gonna say he was their third best player in the bubble, and he it wasn't huge that, shots that mattered. It's. I mean, is this gonna get me in trouble? I really don't like watching Kyle Kuzma, so I'm actually kind of thrilled that they got out from under whatever that situation was. The, I, the Kyle Kuzma, Buddy Hield trade talk. Oh, I was thrilled about that. I, I was excited. Oh yeah, that, you talk about like the perfect player to play next to LeBron and and uh, AD. Like yeah, quick trigger, great three point shooter, easy threes oh, all, man. all night long. Uh, but, so uh, yeah, they, kind of pretty happy that they're uh, not in the Kyle Kuzma business anymore. So, so let's look at what they got here. Like live wire players that can be like have a shot at being above average, right? So. Um, None, 
I don't think he's got a great shot at being above average, but he can be playing off of those two players. He can be somebody that can slash through, you know, take an open shot, be an offensive threat. You know, there's issues with his game. Um, the one that I really like is Malik Monk. He really turned it around last year and became really hard to cover. And, and that stuff is hard to find when you, when you find players that can generate shots, that is special. And it's, um, you know, when you're next to those two players, you're going to get lots of opportunities. I think he's going to jump off the page this year. Um, THT, you know, I can't believe he's only 20 years old. He, yeah, he looks isn't that crazy? like he's 30. That's he plays like he's 40. Well, he's like six feet tall and his arms actually, I think he can touch the floor from like when he's standing. What's crazy about it is like he can't be blocked. No, he can't be blocked. A lot of shots. So like if he develops. um, You're oddly optimistic about the Lakers. This is kind of unusual for you. I'm excited by this. Yeah. I I mean, Trevor Ariza, like the only place he sucked was in Sacramento because Luke Walton and him were buddies and he thought he was Michael Jordan. (laughs) He's like, I don't need to play any defense and I'm going to take whatever shot I want. And then he left and then he was good again, like two weeks later. Let let me frame my Lakers question for you a slightly different way. How did you feel about the Lakers situation when it was just the Westbrook trade versus at the end of this week? The the Westbrook trade is funny. It barely hits my brain because I'm like excited about the other pickups i i just i can't i can't laugh harder at this situation like westbrook next to those two players is just a disaster in the making but you know i think we saw him settle down in the second half of last season and reel in certain things and they played better you know yeah, and, he and stopped he taking three better. pointers he stopped shooting threes yeah, and, and I think he had the worst possible coaching situation because Scott Brooks was the guy that let him get away with all the stuff that lost those games for OKC in the playoffs. And those two were just like tied at the hip, and he's like, I'm going to go to war with this guy. So, hey, Russ, if you want to go down there and jack that shut up, I don't care. Yeah, that wasn't and great. We were betting against Westbrook for the whole first half of the season, just like, okay, he's playing? All right, bet against him. He's not playing? Okay, bet on the Wizards. And we were winning. And then it changed. There was about two weeks where that didn't work anymore. And it was like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah, nuts. We can't just blind <laughs> My fade Westbrook. move is gone. Yeah, he did. Like, he played a lot better in the second half. His field goal yeah, percent so was I'm up. optimistic he can keep. And here's the thing. This is the, the Rondo effect is like Rondo. The only place he could be even remotely good was in L.A. where if he got out of his lane, LeBron and AD would snap at, back at him. And even then he was still a pain in the ass. But, um, you know, Russ is not going to be pulling that stuff with LeBron, you know, primarily. And so I think they, they it's a compelling athleticism combo to have those three guys, but you just got to surround them with shooters. Um, and that, and that think, must, that, is that what changed your opinion of how things were going? Cause Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, like these are, the Lakers did do a pretty damn good job after the Westbrook trade. Well, well, but let me pivot. Um, well, no, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, talk to me about say, those other guys. Between Monk, Ariza, Ellington. Oh, THT. I love the Ellington. The Ellington. The Ellington yeah, you had to. Those things were gimmies for the Lakers. Yeah. Like you know, you just need guys that can stand out there and jack up threes. And so I think they have enough shooting, and I would think that they could even add another shooter at some point in time. You know, during <laughs> Wait, the trade deadline. We can't. We can't move on to the Heat until I ask you, what about the banana boat situation? Does Melo play this year? I think he plays. It's weird, man. Like, he got his body in shape, and, like, he's not... 
it's like he's quicker this year or this last year and maybe even a little bit the year before that he was for like the two seasons prior to that because he wanted to be heavy in those seasons. And so he probably, you know, the writing was on the wall. Nobody wanted to pick him up. And he's like, oh, I got to not, you know, drink so much wine or whatever. And he came in thin. So it makes him able to get that shot off still, you know, the mid range or a three pointer. And, you know, he's, he's got just enough burst. So you got to respect him a little bit on the drive can get in there and rebound a little bit. So, yeah, I think he plays. And, I mean, look at guys that were playing, like Markeith Morris, you know, was getting minutes at times for those guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was actually decent in the bubble, too. What about the Heat? What about oh, the Heat? the Heat. The Heat, I just – the reason why I like – first of all, I had Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul ranked really low in the cash-to-value ranks because of the high price tag. And – but with the Heat – what I like about teams is, okay, so let's say you're you're not like a top two, top three NBA team, and but your window is now, right? Your team's aging. You got Jimmy Butler as sort of the centerpiece, and how long is he going to be a dominant player, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You're like, okay, I got to figure out an angle here. Like, there's got to what's going to make us different than everybody else? And they're like, well, we're just going to get every tough defender that the league has, and we're going to win games 80 to 78, you know? And Ugh. so... <laughs> Lowry, I mean, we're talking a defensive alignment of Lowry, Butler. Um, you got PJ Tucker now in the mix, who I don't think he can do this throughout the regular season, but in the playoffs, he was just fine. He was PJ Tucker. You know, he had everything that he had in the previous seasons and was a big reason that they won in Milwaukee. So, and then you got Bam at the back in, in the back line. And then you can actually. So you, you, you lock down a defensive alignment and then you bring in these offense only guys and Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero might be on his way out, but I think he's a good compliment. It's like you, you get enough defenders to let those guys just not get completely exposed and then they can go out and be the shooting that you need and the playmaking and the ball handling. And I just think it's going to be funny, though, like Butler and Lowry and Bam pass up more open shots than like any other three players in the league. So what is that going to look like, you know, especially in the playoffs when it's like, you know, crunch time? It's going to be fascinating. So I like what they did because they created something that nobody else has, which is this elite defense that, um, you know, could could be the difference maker. So you give yourself a 10, 20 percent shot at winning when they didn't have any chance at all. What about a loser? In free agency. Mm, and this loser. is still on the reality side, just to remind the listeners, we have not yeah, and, yet ventured into the fantasy. And, and on the fa- I'll just throw, uh, not to burst anybody's bubble here, but I think fantasy is still a little too early. And I didn't see, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's been, people have uncovered some fantasy winners here, but I didn't see a lot of winners like right off the bat. A lot of losers. Uh, a lot of losers, yeah. It was, and I think that might be correlated to teams doing a good job of placing players where they should be placed because there's a lot of balance in the league. But um, anyway, losers, reality. I thought Denver really just, they, you know, they're a contender and they bring back Will Barton. I get it. Michael Malone loves him. He's kind of heart and soul of that team a little bit, but he's hard to watch. $16 million a year. It was terrible. That's a lot. And when he's on the floor, he just takes over the, the the tenor of the game. So sometimes that's good about 30% of the time, 70% of the time it's bad. And 
sometimes they had to turn to him because of injuries. Um, but I would have, I mean, there's guys all over the place that were affordable, you know, Max Struess, what up? Um, so they went with him and then the Jermichael Green one was just like, come on guys, you watched him suck all year. And then you turned around and brought him back. What made you think he was gonna like, I mean, then when I say suck, I mean, that's kind of harsh, right? But like, it was the lack of effort from a role player. You know, you're a role player, so effort's sort of like a, that's a prerequisite for you to stick around here. And I can't tell you how many games I watched, and this is really telling of a guy that doesn't play that much on a backup on a team that, you know, isn't on TNT every night. And I'm watching Jermichael Green just like effort, 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 letting guys score, letting open threes. And, and so at any rate, they brought him back. Now they did get Jeff Green. And Austin Rivers was a good signing. But I just think when you're in that kind of high leverage situation, you can't really make mistakes. And the fact they couldn't attract anybody of value, I know they're up against it with the cap, but, you know, they couldn't attract any that like one more player to get them up over the hump. That I thought was a loss. Um, other than that, you know, New York brought the band back. And they did add Kemba. And Fournier. Well, that was the thing. Like, first of all, there's two issues with New York's free agency is one. Did you really think that the band can win? You know, so like just being so all in in that dynamic. You had to add another piece that would like change the equation when, say, Julius Randle doesn't know how to play basketball in the playoffs. And you need somebody else to like take the ball from him and say, Hey, I know how to play basketball. You can, you know, once you learn, I'll give the ball to you. <laughs> that, and that's also harsh, but that like, I mean, watching that Knicks series against the Hawks, like it was like rudimentary offense that you, you almost can't make it up that that was an NBA team running that kind of stuff, which is Tibbs calling card. Um, so they add Fournier who, I mean, even if we gave him credit for the Boston Celtics tenure, that was just not good. Um, or if, when I say credit, I'd be like, okay, hey, you, you joined another team and you're you know struggling for whatever reasons. Maybe you deserve a mulligan. But he's just, he's not worth half that money this upcoming year. And then they got that for four years. So that was a huge swing and a miss. Um, did you have a loser? Um... I thought the Pels kind of lost. Yeah, that Devontae oh, Graham deal was whack. Th- but I sort of gave them I gave them a half pass because they turned Steven Adams into Jonas Valanciunas, and that was a good move at the front end. Um, but then the other stuff, they got they got nothing, really, in that Lonzo Ball and sign-in trade. I, I couldn't keep up with the, you know, it's hard to keep up with 30. If you're not a cap guy and you're keeping up with 30 teams' cap machinations, it's just like... Sometimes yeah, you just let hell with that. stuff go. And <laughs> so like, but you were, I was seeing people from New Orleans that you, you know are respected talking about, you know, the second and the third level of the transaction they either did or didn't make and how it was just like, yeah, you guys screwed yourselves there. And so you had that stuff going on. Now, David Griffin is somebody that started off so good and now he's just mired in this like Zion's going to leave or not and how's ownership and you know, it just hasn't looked good there for a while. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, but again, I saw more, more, you know, positive than negative. I mean, I guess Milwaukee didn't really 
Though they just added um they, uh, what's his name? Uh, I think it just happened right Grayson before Allen. we started. Yeah, right before we went. So right, that's hit a big deal for them because he's pretty good now, and it opens up for you know who I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's fine because our buddy Jonas actually tweeted it out already. So oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Jonas is all about. Yeah, it. we're we're uh, on we're remain on Melton Watch forever, forever and ever, forever, forever and ever and, and ever. ever. Taylor Jenkins, um, one day. Sack did good. Rashawn yeah, Holmes I was did. I was hoping you'd bring up Sacramento. Rashawn's Four back. Forty eight. That's a great deal. That's crazy. Yeah. I had a guy. I had a guy who was real deep in there. He's like trying to sell me that they purposely didn't promote him and didn't like give him a lot of respect. You know, minutes like made him like fight it out with like Hassan Whiteside and Frank Kaminsky. You yeah. know, all that Ugh. King stuff that they normally do. Fart. That's a fart sound effect down. right there. I, I don't know, but guys, I feel like I feel like he appreciated, and I guess we don't really know. We're guessing a little bit here, but it sure seemed like Rashawn appreciated that Sacramento was, even if it was kind of by accident, because he wasn't going to get a ton of playing time. It wasn't this most recent season. It was last year until Bagley went down, and they were sort of forced they're like, all right, well, I guess we'll play this Rashawn Holmes guy we picked up on a cheap contract. And then he was amazing. And then he kept the minutes the following year. But I think from his standpoint, it was like, well, at least they did finally play me. These other places wouldn't, no matter how many guys went down in front of me. Sacramento was, even again, if it was kind of by accident, they did finally give him the shot. They're bringing him back. And that's this is a perfect pivot point to start talking about fantasy a little bit. His competition in the middle there is still exists. Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, just seems like just enough bodies to screw with things, but he's so much better than those guys. Can we trust that the Kings won't Kangs this up? Because we know what Rashawn can do when he's a starter playing starters minutes. The good news is that Luke Walton's a lame duck coach. Yay! He would have to make the playoffs, <laughs> like, and they have to look, and not like the nine ten. I think like if he made the ten seed and they lost, I don't think he returns. If they make the nine seed. The, the thing is, is like this was all about not having to pay another coach at the same time. And so this was like a financial thing. And but so he's he's definitely going to listen to management on playing time decisions. And you just signed Rashawn for the relatively big number. So I think he's safe. And Phew. that's freaking awesome because he's great. You know, he's going to be a top whatever guy. And there's and no way he'll be drafted where he's going to be because his name oh, is Rashawn no. Holmes and he plays in Sacramento. We could hype him from now until opening day and he'll still be underdrafted. <laughs> that's the magic of that's the magic of guys that sort of fit the. And listen, I know like I'm not going to try to take any credit away. You were the Rashawn Holmes guy on these pods for years, even before he broke out. But his fantasy game does kind of fit the Dan Bespris old man squad mold, which is good at both percentages, plays sort of on a, in a quiet spot, doesn't score a ton, does enough, but it steals its blocks, its percentages, its low turnovers, its rebounds. It's all the things that don't draw attention. So no matter how good a guy gets at that stuff, they somehow don't get enough buzz going into draft season. And it's a glorious like overvalued thing. overvalued at their like 31-year-old year, yeah. you know? That's and, what, and then like that's right, you're the just time. You, then you get off the train and you're like thanks for the memories. Yeah, thanks it's, for the 6 years of value you gave me. That was cool. Uh but what about other so I I know we mentioned it a few minutes ago. By the way, uh talking to Aaron Bruski, 
just in case. Now, it's not like somebody can tune in halfway, but just in case anybody forgot, this is a podcast, not a radio show. Uh, at Aaron Bruski on Twitter. The winners and losers on the fantasy side. I mean, Rashawn is a winner because he got his money, because he's sort of locked into his spot. It did, like you said earlier, feel like there were more losers than winners because it felt like high-usage guys came together in this free agency period, like Russ to the Lakers, DeMar to the Bulls, uh, Fournier, Kemba being added to the New York Knicks at the same time. Were there any spots? So I, I feel like the losers are sort of easy to spot, let me ask you two questions. Or you know what? I'll go one at a time, because why the hell do I need to do two questions? You're, you're stuck with me here. Uh, question, question number one. Of all of those teams where it feels like there are a lot of fantasy losers, does anyone dodge that bullet? I think my guy in there is one we already talked about, and that's Lonzo Ball. I think he sort of dodges the bullet because he goes from a situation where he was playing with a couple of high-usage guys to another situation where he's with a couple of high-usage guys. But it feels like the rest of them, you're in a, well, they're only 90-some-odd shots a game kind of scenario. Does anyone, including Lonzo or anyone else, somehow not take a hit in these teams where guys are coming together? Hmm. Everything's so subtle. Like... You, you pick Lonzo, that's a great example. Like, his game just sort of fits in. It's not a high-volume game, and he's going to get you assists and steals. And, you know, he even improved his foul shooting. So it's like, you know, there's not a lot of impact there. Um, even, like, L.A., like, all those guys that are joining up are not your fantasy targets, maybe one or two tops. Um, but they're not going to take any usage away from LeBron and A.D. So, like, they're kind of... There's not a lot going on there. Um, you know, I, I look at like places like Phoenix. Well, actually, before I go to Phoenix, along those same lines, the Heat, like Kyle Lowry doesn't take a lot of shots. He'll get plenty of shots. I wouldn't be surprised if his value was pretty similar. Yeah. You know, Bam Adebayo, you know, he is afraid to shoot. So, like, this doesn't change his value. He was great last year. And the, the, the interesting thing there is the collection of defenders will improve their defensive numbers as a group so like they theoretically you know you're adding like these big names you know to each other and they should have a decrease in value but not really um phoenix devin booker what's going to happen with him you know chris paul sitting there he doesn't know how to not be chris paul so that's kind of a a loss for devin booker yeah because theoretically I mean, Phoenix, I didn't like that signing because you just watch Chris Paul not be able to make plays when it mattered most. And it wasn't anything to do with anything difficult. It was just like he doesn't want to take a left-handed layup. So he's not going to – he just beat the guy left. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to go there because I don't think I can make that left-handed layup. You know, and so I'll just you know pass back out and we'll reset and then we'll shoot up a brick at the you know end of the shot clock kind of a thing. So you just invested in that guy – what is he going to get better all of a sudden, you know, at 30, whatever years old, 37, I think this upcoming year. Um, and it's a big deal. So, and, and even the tenor of the team, like you watch Devin Booker play and you're like, that's freaking the next Kobe Bryant, you know, like he's that mentality. And then you go to Chris Paul and you're like, this guy keeps trying to get calls. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with beating the other guy. It's, I just want to get a call right now to satisfy some need to outthink the game. 
you know? And so I didn't like that move. And as far as fantasy goes, that obviously was a loser moment for not Chris Paul, because he'll be pretty good again, probably, but Devin Booker. Um, yeah, although I will say on the Phoenix front, this is a situation where I'm a little bit afraid of them because the offseason is a tiny bit truncated again, about a month shorter than usual instead mm-hmm. of the two months shorter than usual last time around. Chris Paul's not getting any younger. He just had surgery on his wrist, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, my my multi-year Chris Paul as my favorite pick in fantasy run is probably coming to a close this yeah. offseason. I, I, don't, I don't trust him to play 90 plus percent of his games again this coming year right that you almost can't do that right like yeah. if you want him to survive for the playoffs which you presumably this is what you're paying yeah for. exactly because they just proved they can do it so they don't need to do the big regular season push again uh, and if anything you want some of these other guys to play you know yep um and- all right what about what about the fringy guys sorry i don't know phoenix uh, fringy guys in general? <laughs> like is there let's see if we can isolate a potential winner on the fantasy front uh, from maybe not. I don't think it's going to come from the big name stuff. What dude, about Max centers? <laughs> is it no, Max Strews? <laughs> dude, but honestly, Max Strews right after I pimped him as the number two. Uh, and Ira Winderman's like, is Victor Oladipo going to keep his job? <laughs> Apparently on a, on a minimum. <laughs> Whenever that. I, I, right now I got it as Strews. Yeah, we'll uh, you wouldn't draft. Nobody should be drafting Victor Oladipo in, in fantasy Or, or, or Strews if we want to be real. Yeah, but, or Strews. That's right. <laughs> I mean, depends on the side. We'll see. We'll see. You might have gotten a free one here, guys. I don't know. I, my, my love for Max Struess has no bounds at this point. I'm guessing which is funny not. because I've only seen like there's highlights online and then I've watched like five games of his. But the minute that I saw, I was like, oh, man, he's good. Like, what's going on here? And then if you look at um, like Miami Heat player commentary on Struess, they're like, yeah, this dude could just flat out ball. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's good to Deep, be a deeper um, leagues. We'll a, go deeper a degenerate leagues. wagerer. Yeah, there you for go. Entire season because you know the whole league. No and if you and if you're into that sort of entertainment, you can check out our buddies oh, over wow. at mybookie.ag. Sign up for an account <laughs> using promo code Hoopball today. They'll call you Thunder Dan for nothing. That's right. You see what I? That was so slick. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to my own segue there over and over again whenever I'm feeling down about life. Uh, let me ask you about centers. Because this is the one spot I thought maybe this center carousel of like late 20s uh, big men that have never fully carved out a spot for themselves. Maybe there's something there. And I know we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves because we don't know what sort of things are going to continue to fall into place. But the the first center move, I guess, was the, the Memphis... New Orleans trade that sort of flipped Steven Adams and Jonas Valanciunas among some other pieces. But I want to just focus on the big men. Free agency, we saw, or right before free agency, we saw Detroit get off of Mason Plumlee's three-year deal after only one of the three years, which was kind of weird right from the outset. But now he's in Charlotte, and he took the place of both Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo. And then, right when I was looking at Detroit thinking, sweet! Like it's go <laughs> I knew time. We were going here. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly Olynyk is signed to be alongside Isaiah Stewart, and then I thought, okay, well, uh, what happens now? Where Olynyk? This was this incredible array of dominoes, and none of the dominoes fully made sense. Then Houston brought in Daniel Tice, and these are all none of these was a short deal. 
These are all three or more. Well, that's not true because Plumlee only has two years left on his. But Olenek was three. I think Tice was four years on his deal. Do any of these centers maintain or get fantasy value? Because just for looking at yeah. last year. Yeah, that was my thought, too. So let me just yeah, quickly for the, the listeners. Uh, yeah, rattle them off. I'm going to rattle them off where they were last year. And you can tell me how you're feeling, whether it's sort of arrow up or down or the same kind of thing. Um Olenek had an unreal finish in Houston. He now goes to Detroit, where it seemed like Isaiah Stewart was stepping into a bigger role. We don't fully understand. Mason Plumley had a pretty good year in Detroit. He goes to Charlotte, where they've badly needed anybody in the middle that could play more than 12 games in a row. Shout out Cody Zeller. Uh, or play at all. Shout out Bismack Biombo. Um, what are they going to do out there? Do they run small? Detroit now is two. Uh, Daniel Tice takes Olenek's place in Houston, he was playing alongside uh, Christian Wood. So there's all this stuff. So who among that group is it worth keeping an eye on? All of them? Some of them? None of them? Where are your thoughts on, on where something might squeeze out from that weird pocket of like late 20s centers that all just changed teams in a, <laughs> this very funny game of musical chairs? Yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of like the Plumley thing. I just don't know that I can... I don't think I can tell folks to get excited about Plumlee. Because um, he'll play like 20 minutes, right? And then there's the deficiencies in his game. And he'll probably be worthy of a roster spot for somebody in your league. Um, but the Detroit one, is that's got to be hurting you. Because I know you like Isaiah. Well, and, who doesn't? And he, and, yeah, legitimately, he's, he's worthy of the hype. And um, so here's the thing that really throws me off, and Kings fans will laugh if they're listening, is uh, uh, Corey Joseph is going to ruin that team. Ah, they waved him. I thought I, they waved him, and well, I bet you were back. thinking, great, and then they resigned him. Because <laughs> they think he's going to bring a, a veteran presence. And, you know, it sucks that Corey Joseph, by all measures of people that are around the Kings, think that he's a great guy, right? So, like, it sucks that they made him, like, their all-star and wrap their team around him and let him dribble to the baseline for 11 seconds only to turn the ball over constantly. Um, but in terms of like, okay, so what made Kelly Olenek great is like, he was the facilitator for everything. He was peak Kelly Olenek, you know, in Houston. And he was doing that actually in Miami before, you know, so it wasn't like a surprise or like a bad team thing. This is just peak. He's, he's been a hoop ball sixer in the past, you know, so his value has been, you know, well known around here forever. Um, and we did have him ranked better than the other sites. So like everybody had Kelly Olenek, you know, so we're, we're, we're probably really excited about his value, but he's going to go, he's going to share time with Isaiah and, um, that's going to hurt both of them. And, you know, Dwayne Casey's probably not going to do them any favors, but the, the idea that they're, um, you know, uh, going to run things through Corey Joseph in, in another lost season is scary, you know? For their offense and so i don't know we'll see how excited i get and then tice has been a top 100 guy forever i don't that deal made uh, i mean that's a long deal for a guy that i'm like not sure his knee makes it you know two months yeah and he's already almost 30 despite only getting into the league i think three or four years ago he came in at he was already 25 i believe when he made his nba debut and his athleticism is his calling card so if that goes then you know what else do you really have there um, 
Houston. I mean, it's like, did they just like, they're like, okay, we got to fill out the center position for the next three, four years and we don't want to pay a lot of money. So who can we get Oh, that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I, that one. I mean, very few of these moves made a ton of reality sense to me. So I'm just like, I'm throwing the reality thing out the, out the window and saying, all right, well, what about the fantasy side? I but think they're gonna be relevant. Yeah, I like. I'd be excited about Tice in a in a, in a vacuum. Like, okay, I agree. The, the asset, like, well, he just landed at a spot where like they absolutely need him every night. They and need him. Yeah, he, he'll he steps right into the Olympic shoes, but he's not gonna do as much as Kelly did. No, no, that run. I mean, what did he finish? Top twenty five off the top of my head. Yeah, like, he was a second rounder after that trade. Like, it's just that's an amazing, amazing season. I thought he would get paid more. I thought he'd go honest. someplace where he got to do more stuff. Well, he'll get yeah, to do why something. Why did he go to Detroit? That's why did he like go to brutal. Detroit? Brutal. <laughs> uh, I think they'll play him. I think they'll play him alongside Stewart for stretches because Olenek can space the floor. He can play the four if they have to. And that's kind of the spot. Jeremy Grant's the small ball four on that team, but there isn't a clear other one unless you want to say Sadiq Bey, but I don't. He doesn't seem mm, like a four to me. Or I Sekou mean, Dubuya. He had some good moments, but. Not at a Siku's not, not going to do anything. Yeah, they're more a three than a four anyway. So I, I like the rotation, actually. You know, Trey Lyles gives them a little bit of a different look. You do play Grant at the four, but you can mix and match Isaiah and, and um, Kelly Olenek. Yeah. They, they, they do have, like, Isaiah can slide his feet. and They both have good per 36 stuff, too. That's what makes them fantasy oh. interesting. They don't need 30 minutes to get there. Stewart was, you know, I think we got Stewart halfway through last year. Yeah. And, He's top that, 75 in 25 minutes a game, I think. That good. I think. That's good. All right, so this is this is your wink, wink, nod, nod, everyone. Keep an eye on the damn centers. We'll so see how this is whole why thing you listen out. in the month of, what are we in? Who knows? Dude, August. I don't know. I legitimately I think don't it's know. August. It is, I think you're right. We, hey, so next year, we all get vacations. <laughs> what the hell's that? Because, honestly, we have not stopped since, what, 2019? I don't even know. Well, it, it, we, uh, we had the shutdown, and then everybody was just, like, on pins and needles for three and a half months trying to figure out how to keep things ready. And then we had no time between the playoffs and the next season, and now we've had almost no time. Free agency right after the season ended. And now it's basically ready to go into, like, mock draft and draft time already. I don't know what COVID role or COVID will play in the, the actual season. Like, like Oh, it'll still be around. Just nuts. Like... It'll the, still the, be around. The week off for a team, you know, like. Well, hopefully, crazy, amazing betting opportunity. It's like the team hasn't played for eight days, but they're getting rated as if they're better. You know, it's like, okay, okay, yeah, sounds reasonable. Yeah, I don't, I don't fully know how it's going to shake out. I feel pretty confident that there's still going to be a lot of that protocol stuff going on, just based on the fact that we're like a little over still. two months away from the season. Hundred thousand cases today. I yeah, I like. I don't. I don't want to get too deep into all that stuff. I'm what sure that hell? like team vaccination levels, we've heard that there's thresholds where they don't have to miss as much time and they can practice more together and all that stuff. Like Chris Paul coming back in a week during the playoffs versus some of these guys missing two to three weeks in the regular season. How, That's a big deal. How you stop an NBA player from going to the clubs? I have no idea. No. I'm like, like at the end of the day, like these Close guys the are like, I waited my whole life to be 22 or 24 or 26 years old. And go to Magic City, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's you wing know. time. 
Like literally been talking about this since I was 16 and you're telling me I can't go? Hell no. Yeah, get me get get those lemon pepper wings and have a day. Uh, Sweet Lou, Sweet Lou got re-signed. The yeah, Hawks, back to, I thought back to the you Hawks. know the Hawks tried to mess it up with um, John Collins, but they yeah they had to pay a little bit more, but they survived. They survived. They kept Trey. Yeah, they're they're a uh, they're a decent bunch. Adding Gorgie Jang is is a good solid move for them. Yeah, fantasy pillar Gorgie Jang, the wish he got more minutes guy of the. This this he's decade. old and I didn't have him pegged as as old as he is. I want to say he's thirty four now. Oh my god, that means I'm tick 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 tick. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even want to. I don't even want to do yeah, that. You're still under forty though, right? Yep, I'm sleep. I'm squeezing in there. I'm the old man. Yeah, I think you are. I, I am. I just turned forty two. Oh my god. Me and me and Doctor A, man, are we the two oldest? I honestly don't know. Hey, if you're out there and you're a fantasy analyst and you're older than Dr. Hey, <laughs> uh, well, well, don't worry. We'll have Steve on the show as we uh, approach draft season as well. Um, Brew, I think your child is probably getting ready to wake up, and I think we should probably save some stuff for the next appearance. What do you say? Yeah, I know, and we're going to do this more regularly, I think. We right? are. That's the, the plan? Yeah, no, so that's I'm excited about that, and um, I'm excited about more content. Yes, that I get to do this year. Yes, we got to throw I mean, your ass back I, in there. I, I got hit pretty hard with uh, not being able to type is bad for a writer is is pretty bad. Yeah, not great. Not great, the, Bob. The hand surgeries <laughs> from carpal tunnel. I basically typed my fingers out. Nobody would believe that, right? No, it sounds made up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yes, it is. He is Aaron Bruski, the mighty Aaron Bruski, founder of Hoopball. I am Dan Vespers, folks. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, back with you on Monday. We will finish up the Central Division. I think we got the Pacers coming up on Monday's show, which means I got to figure out who the hell actually still is on that team. Uh, oh, we disagreed on San Antonio. Oh, yeah. I think they got a lot of value, guys, but I don't think they got anybody that's going to make them better. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> They're just like, hey, you guys got a lot of great contracts, but who's actually going to lead this team? DeJounte Murray? Yeah. I like I him, but he's not a star. Oh, well, one other thing I was... Th- the, would you, did you like the, uh, the, S, um, the Shy Gildas-Alexander contract? Oh, um, yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, they got to do... They can't, they can't let him go. I'm blowing up your outro here with just a random ass question. No, that's like, fine. Hey, I, what did you think of that one day? Honestly, I didn't even think about it. I was like, all right, well, they, that's a guy that they needed to make sure they retained. Even if they're going to move him in a future deal, you got to keep him in place because he's their best player. You can't just let your best player go away. I was just a little shocked that he got that money after last season, how it all went down. You know what that tells me? He wasn't hurt. That's what I've. Well, yeah, somebody tried to sell that. I forget who the reporter was. It was like, he was really hurt. It's like, like, nope. He ain't getting that contract after. Like, if he, if he was hurt for a half year, you'd be like, yeah, maybe there's something there. I don't know if we should yeah, you know, nah. back up the truck for this guy with our 51 first round draft picks or whatever. Nah. Nah. You just you can't get away with the Al Horford shutdown when a guy's like 23 or whatever. Shay's trying to, oh, he's too old. He's tired. We got to make up something. With Horford, it was just like, we're trying to trade this guy. We're going to shut him down. Do what you want. We're going to play Dort every other day. Uh, yeah, we're going to play Dort. That's right. We're going to play everybody every other day. <laughs> and let him shoot 50 times a game. Ty Jerome, you play every other day, too. We got too good when you were on the floor. 
Theo Maladone, you're Chris every other Presky day. Presky has got such good relationships around the league. This is why everybody talks about him so glowingly. He's got such good relationships around the league that he could just like outright tank. Dude, like, that was eh. awful. That was awful in OKC. Not even a, a consequence of any type. They were a, they were a near 500 team when they were playing their guys. Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing. You know, it was like the anti-Westbrook. If um, Al Horford was playing, they were good. Yeah. If not, they were bad. They were horrendous. <laughs> they, they had all these... accordingly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we'll talk more about the Thunder on the next appearance. You can book it. Uh, Brew, I, I bid you adieu uh, by wishing you a hot diggity dog of a weekend. Hot dog, hot dog, diggity dog. <laughs> He's Aaron Broski. I'm Dan Vespers. We'll be back with you on Monday. Later. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.